0: follow Chamberlain to what's going on with them. But as always on a Wednesday, let me uh, start off with a couple of quick announcements. Don't forget, next Wednesday night during church, uh, we're kicking off a small group that will happen after worship for the next few weeks on a Wednesday night. Uh, the small group is entitled Out of the Cave. Now we're still having our normal service, but if you want to opt out and attend the small group, you see Tori, Tori, <laughs> wave your hand around. you have got to sign up for this. Uh, but it's called Out of the Cave, it deals with depression, anxiety, and things of that nature. Uh, and, and it's going to be a good small group. So if you're interested in being a part of that, uh, see Tori and she'll tell you more about it. Uh, also, we got a kids event coming up the 28th of this month, a Friday night. Uh, and it starts at 5 o'clock, I think, and it's for all ages. Until 8.30, then 8.30, everybody 5th grade and below goes home. And then 5th grade through 12th grade is having a lock-in overnight. If you got questions about that, see Amanda. Amanda, wave your hand around. There you go. Okay. So there is a sign-up sheet, by the way, back there for that. Because we are going to provide pizza and whatnot. So we know how many kids are coming. Please sign up Uh, your kids' names on that sign-up sheet in the back. And then uh, the the shooting range uh outing. see tom for information about that that's coming up okay if you signed up for that and the last announcement is uh, the first sunday november november the 6th is our next edition of what we call next step. so if you if you're coming to church here and you're saying hey i think we're going to make this our church home next step is for you it's, it's it's sort of like what we call our membership time where you get to meet with us margot and my, myself after church uh, we'll spend an hour or two together. Just get to know each other, uh, get to know you a little bit, talk about the church so you can know more information about the church, let you ask all the questions you want to ask, okay? And then we can uh, let you know more about the things you want to know about and what it means to uh, participate in our church. So that's November the 6th, right after church. So if you're interested in that, there's also a sign-up sheet at the back. So having said that, how many of y'all love to praise and worship Jesus? Let me see. Okay, come on. Let's get up on our feet tonight and let's do that together.
1: ourselves. But we have to be willing to stop.
2: Show.
3: Thank you Beautiful. I fix my eyes, I fix my eyes on you, you're beautiful, so beautiful. Yes, Lord,
1: we just, we fix our eyes on you tonight. Let this just be a night where we just turn our back to sin. Fix our eyes on the King. Father, I pray that we would be a people, Lord, that we go where you call us to go. That when you say to stop and just rest in your presence, Father, that we take off our shoes and we just rest there. Lord, let us be a faithful people. One without excuses, Father. Willing to give you all that we have because you are worthy, Lord.
0: Right. Well, hi everybody. And there they're checking kids in quick. We'll give them a minute to get back up. It's good to have you tonight. And of course our hope is we don't lose power in the middle of service tonight, right? And keep the lights on the whole time. That'd be great. Did you know that was actually a serious accident? Somebody actually hit the light pole. It was like a care flight or something, so my goodness. So that, that's sad. We were blaming the Spectrum guy over here. It wasn't his fault. Somebody hit the pole. But I don't know how that turned out, but hopefully all good. But it's good to have you. So uh, Tithe and Offering, if you do have something tonight to give, you can prep that. Offering envelope from the chair in front of you or ushers, Mike's standing right there. He can help you out with an envelope if necessary but uh, we appreciate your giving. And just, uh, I'll probably say something about this Sunday. Uh, last year, we took a Thanksgiving offering that we designated for the roof, uh, and when we purchased the building, they told us we had about five years on the roof. We know we had some issues with the valley that we fixed up a little bit, but, but we also know our renter's roof is in it, pretty rough shape, so we are actually going to go ahead and... and Start the process of getting these roofs replaced pretty soon if we get it done before the snow flies cool if not it'll be first thing in the spring since you're aware that's going to be happening so uh, it's good it's all good getting some things done so I'm happy about that but anyways we appreciate your giving and, and those things like that but also uh, advancing the kingdom and, and and as we reach out in our community and all those different kinds of things so I'm going to pray over your offering and if you have something you can bring it Lord we thank you as, as we continue our worship and our giving tonight, Lord, that we thank you for the blessings in our lives, Lord. And we thank you that you, your provision uh, is, is always there in front of us. And we thank you for the, each day that our daily bread that, that is in front of us. And, Lord, that, uh, that the lack of the things of life will not be something that we live in because we seek your kingdom first. And in that, as the scriptures say, that all the things that people seek and put first in life, that you know that we need those things and, and that you add them unto us, but that's not our focus. Our focus is, is you in the kingdom. So as we give tonight, to the evidence of the blessings of, of you in our life. And we thank you so much for those things. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So if you have something, you can bring it down. And as we're doing that, we can just get right into things tonight. So if you've got your Bibles, Ephesians chapter number 6, and we're going to start in verse number 10 in just a minute. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10, um, the Apostle Paul, uh, in his writings, in his letters, the epistles that we find in the New Testament that he authored, as we said before, he often can get very dense in his writing. He, he can say a lot in just a few short sentences. As a matter of fact, sometimes uh, in his writing he gets dense because he makes lists. And he just rattles off a bunch of stuff, and it's, it's saying a lot in a short amount of space. So like uh, the fruit of the Spirit would be an example. That's a lot of things in a sentence, right? Or the gifts of the spirits, another example. But he also does it with like, specific sins that he calls out. But he, he often makes lists in his writings, that uh, when you start to tear them apart a little bit, again, it's saying a lot. And what I want to do over the next little while here is I want to go to Ephesians chapter 6 and spend some time in one of his lists that he made, and we call it the armor of God. And uh, Paul in the armor of God uses an analogy of something that everybody was much aware of, of a Roman soldier and his equipment. And he pretty much, uh, again, probably the armor of God is not some all-inclusive list of of what he would have said, but he takes what the Roman soldier is equipped with and puts something to it to bring to the place that we are to be people who simply stand firm against our enemy. Amen. So I want to spend some time over the next little bit going through this, but... Uh, we're not going to get to those parts tonight because I want to spend a little bit about what he talks about here about the things that we are supposed to stand against so Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10 yeah. it's raining all right raining hard and it says this and finally and, and of course this is, this is how he's going to close out this letter to the church in Ephesus. This is his final uh, encouragement, uh, exhortation, and certainly with the greetings at the end. But he says, "Finally, be strong in the Lord, and in the strength. Some translations say the power of His might." Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop right there and say this: When Paul says something like this, "Be strong in the Lord," in other, it, be strong because He is powerful, and he is mighty. He's not throwing this out there, some sort of uh, uh, nice saying that really is not to be achieved. He is saying you can be, you have the opportunity to actually be strong. And the thing about it is it's not your strength, which is good but do we learn how to be strong in the power of his might, right? So before we get anywhere, I could say these next couple sentences, we could pray and leave, but we're not going to do that. But we could. I want you to know that you can be strong in him. You can be. It's not something that's not achievable. It's not a platitude. It's not a nice thing that Paul says, You know, hey, you can be strong, go for it, give it a try. You can be strong in the Lord because you can live in the power of his might. And you think about the power of the might of God, the strength of God. That means there is nothing. Is the power of God stronger than anything you could figure out that could go against it? Obviously. Yes, we believe that. So if we can be strong in the power of his might, that means you have what it takes to make it through to the end. That you can persevere. That you can, I believe, each one of you can overcome. Not because you're strong, not because you're wise, not because you make good decisions, though you may have some strength, you may have some wisdom, you may make good decisions, I believe you do. But because of who he is. Can we learn to live in him and live by him and live for him? That way the attributes of who he is is what we live in as his children, the power of his might. I believe you can do that. Now, he gives some examples of how that happens. That's the armor of God. So so he goes goes on to say then after this, let's read that. So put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, again, we're not going to get into the specifics of the armor of God tonight, but notice the word put on there. So you may be saved, right? You may be forgiven. You may be set free. But the Christian life is still an active, conscious, deliberate, purposeful way of living that you live in such a way that you put on what God affords you to be able to put on. And by putting on, engaging with God, again, a daily practice, purposeful, very conscious in how you approach it. It's not, it's not you're just kind of not floating around spiritually, kind of bouncing around, you know, with the spirit in some sort of fate way living with him. No, no, no. It's a daily purpose conscious, deliberate way of engaging God each day that we put on what he has for us. So when the Bible says something like when Jesus said that you pick up your cross, that is deliberate, it's active, it's something you consciously do. I pick up my cross and I I follow him because here's the deal, you have a choice not to pick your cross up even though you're saved. You have a choice not to follow him and claim to be saved. You have a choice to understand there is such thing as the armor of God that Paul describes and have a choice not to actually put it on. You have a choice to know that there is the power of his might that you can stand strong in but not yet do that, right? So I want to jump down a little bit. We'll come back to the devil and his schemes and things like that. But uh, let's jump down to, let me see where it's at. It's the flamey, uh, I think it's up here. Hold on, hold on. Okay, uh, verse 13, I'm sorry. So it says, take up the whole armor, God, that you may be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all, stand firm. So that that saying right there, in the evil day, it's not talking about necessarily a specific day, but it's talking about, in other words, another way to say it is, when things are at their worst that I'm able to stand firm in Him. Now, how many of you ever had a day when it seemed like things were at their worst? You've ever had, yeah. In that day when your faith is being tested, when it seems like all the power of the enemy is pushing against you, you have the ability in him to stand firm if you actively put on what he allows you to have. Right? How many, how many of y'all, for the gentlemen, played football growing up? Anybody? Okay, I did. And we used to do this drill. I don't, I don't remember the name of the drill, but they they'd call this drill and all it, the hype up. they they make like a tunnel. It's like the gauntlet with the guys, right? And they put two of you out there. And they put the ball in between you and they and they'd do a cane snap, bam! And it was who could push the other one back. It's all, all the thing was. It was all about blocking and pushing somebody. It was like active, with some, instead of pushing the sled, you're pushing a person. It was like everybody's yelling and screaming. If somebody got pancakes or something. Everybody's going nuts and crazy. Sometimes in life, that's what it feels like. You're in this push with the devil, and he's trying to knock you back. But guess what? You have the opportunity to stand strong in the power of his might. And Paul says the day of evil. In other words, that day when it seemed it couldn't have got worse, you have the opportunity not to give an inch. Because we can stand strong in him. But, but again, active participation with God. That we allow him to be our strength. Amen. So, what are we standing strong? Yeah, the day of the work of the enemy. But, but go back to where we just were, verse 11. At the end of it, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, before we get there, it says the schemes of the devil. It goes on to talk about powers and authorities and these different things. We'll talk about that in a minute. But if there is a devil, the devil's real. There used to be a song when I was a teenager by some—I don't remember. I—I I, I may be wrong. I think it was like some sort of punk contemporary Christian band they had a song. And in one line of the song, the devil is real and the devil is bad. It was like the thing of the song. I, I don't remember, I remember that. I remember it. But it's true. The Bible says that he's like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. We have an enemy. Do you know that? Right? As a matter of fact, he's sneaky. The Bible says also that he can masquerade as an angel of light. He's sneaky. The devil is not ignorance. The devil's not stupid. The devil actually works, as Paul says, with schemes and plans. But to understand something, that we do not wrestle, verse 12, against flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic power, over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's saying a lot there. You have a devil. You have a hierarchy of, of what seems to be supernatural evil in those verses. But notice it says there, before we talk about those, our battle is not against flesh and blood. What's flesh and blood? Other people. Where's our battle? Our battle is in the realm of what we do not see, that is as real as the realm that our five senses perceive. There is a spiritual realm. That is where our battle is. You need to have a very healthy understanding of this. Because it's not that there's never justice in the world for people, flesh and blood. It's not that the church never engages the world. But that's not our primary fight and you've got to get the right perspective on this. It's something I was saying not long ago. I want you to catch this. When you don't have a healthy understanding of the spirit realm, you have a tendency to demonize people. And they are what's evil. Well, they may do wrong and sinful things we call evil, but there's always something behind. So if I was, let's say, I would never say this, but let's say my wife did something so horrific that I would say, man, she's a demon. That's not true. A person cannot be a demon because a demon is not savable. Don't demonize people. Demonize the demons. Demonize the enemy. Fight there. You can engage this, but your fight is what's behind Because the moment you demonize somebody, they're the lost cause. Nobody's a lost cause. Jesus wants everybody saved. You don't go after people. You go after what's behind them. You see what I'm getting at? See, we we think. See, the the kingdom of God, it it gives you a a proper perspective of what the kingdom of God is. Where is the kingdom of God? What's the Bible saying? Right here. It's within you. It swirls around you. If we think we're going to set up the kingdom of God out here, you may look, set up something that looks like the kingdom of God, but you end up with people whose hearts are far from him. That's why the kingdom starts here, and it works outward. Remember the whole critique of Jesus with the Pharisees. You look good on the outside, like whitewashed tombs, but inside you're a bunch of empty boats. The kingdom was trying to be practiced without change. You see? So our engagement in a healthy and proper way is to fight what you don't see, which is the schemes of the devil, which is this hierarchy we'll get into in a minute. This is where we engage, primarily. So there may be somebody that's doing sinful things, or or, or we can think of figures in history that we would say, buddy, that's evil. Probably true. But yet, even those people are not far beyond the reach of a saving God. Is that true? So let's put things in proper perspective. It's not not that we ever don't deal with those things, right? But the fact is, we focus so much there we never deal with what we should be dealing with, which is the principalities. Okay. So the devil is real. He has schemes. Um. The schemes of the devil are are, are sort of, in in one way, they're they're general in nature. They're to propagate sin. They're to continue to keep people blinded to the saving uh, work of God through Jesus. So that's general work of the schemes of the devil. So uh, the continuation of propagation of sin, to keep people far from God, that's the work, that's the schemes of the devil. But I also believe uh, the schemes of the devil can be very specific. And we can see that in times in the scripture. Like Paul literally says, I have been buffeted by the enemy. Very personal, okay? Now, by the way, the devil is not omnipresent like the Holy Spirit. It's a being, and he's singular in space. He's not everywhere, okay? There is a hierarchy that submits to him, uh, and, and they work together for these schemes, but he's not everywhere, okay? And by the way, when I say about his schemes, I don't think that everything that bad happens is the devil. It's like, oh, man, my my car wouldn't start today. Ah, the devil must have been in there pulling wires. No, your, your car needs fixed. Okay? So we don't put the devil behind everything. We live in a fallen world that the effects of the fallen world show up in imperfections. But yet there is a devil, there are schemes, and he is at work. Now, when we think about the devil personally, I would say this. What are the devil's schemes or, or the plan of the enemy against me? Well, that's the discernment of the Holy Spirit. But I think an easy way to think about it might be this. So, again, I play sports, and we would game plan for the other team that we're playing. We'd look at strengths. We'd look at weaknesses. We'd do all these different things. The devil can gain knowledge. The, the works of, and those with him can gain knowledge. They can gain understanding about things, situations, and people. If I was the game plan against me, what would I do? And, and I can very obviously think of my weaknesses and how I would try to tempt me, and, right? You know what I'm talking about? Chances are the devil's aware of that. So how you would game plan against yourself is probably the way he would game plan against you too. So if you're aware of your weaknesses, how about we do something about it? And with the help of the Holy Spirit, start to grow into what we're supposed to be in him, right? So he has schemes. He has plans, and, but again, we are to stand firm against these things. Now, going back to verse 12 there, again, not wrestling against flesh and blood, but we also wrestle against, and again, it's a dense grouping of words Paul puts here, descriptions, rulers, authorities, cosmic powers that seems really big. Over this present darkness, there was a book series, uh, a lot of years called This Present Darkness. There was a, a novel series of, uh, about this. against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So, I, I, I just there was a period of time where I did a lot of reading about this kind of stuff. And I was sitting at my decks and I, I remembered that and I, I just said, I'm going to turn around and look at my bookshelf because I know where all my books are categorized. That's why my brain works. And I'm going to count the number of books that dealt with demonology and demons And and spiritual warfare and stronghold, and I'm thinking it's going to be around ten, at least ten books on my bookshelf. I turn around about eight, I was almost there. This stuff can get pretty far out there. Let me just say that, just like anything in Christian faith, it can get in a place beyond the scope of Scripture. Okay, but there is such a thing as spiritual warfare, as we see here. This this is where our struggle is, and we must take a mentality of this is where the fight is. Now, these different things right here, I'm just going to read what I wrote down here. So, so what are these things? Well, again, it's much debated, um, but they are entities having a place of authority because of sin. Some are territorial, some in a more general way. Uh, the origin of them, it's, it's debatable. But Paul in these What he's saying here is probably not being too technical. Some of the things have to do with some of their cultural understanding of stuff. But he's sort of piling together descriptions that equal some sort of hierarchy of evil supernaturalism that has limited authority that the believer is at war with. And these things only have as much authority as you give it. That's key to know. They only have as much authority as they're allowed to have. Because when we start reading this stuff, and you can get so caught up in this, I'm not saying overwhelming, I'm not saying scary, but it can kind of put you at a place like, wow, it's something I don't see, it's out there, I don't fully understand it, therefore it may be able to overwhelm me. Not true. It only has as much authority as it's allowed to have. Sin only has a place in your life when you give it place. Okay. Can the devil make you sin? Can he force you to sin? No. When you sin, who gave it place? Big flashing lights, red flags waving, me. I'm like bringing the airplane in. (laughs) Come over here. Park right here. That's that's what we do. Now, Now, again, sometimes it's not so obvious, but the point is that these powers, authorities, cannot force your will any more than God does. God doesn't force your will unto salvation, nor can these force your will the other way. So, yes, they are there. Yes, they are present. Yes, we don't downgrade them and forget about them and, and think they're non-existent nor inconsequential. That's not true. They certainly have consequence. But they can't have their way with you when you don't give it place. Amen. That's why Paul's saying, stand strong in the Lord and the power of his might. In the midst of the devil's schemes, in the midst of these principalities and powers that are there, you can stand strong. Then he talks about this armor, the, the way of describing things in your life that cause you to stand strong in the midst of what the devil and this hierarchy is trying to do. Now, this is a hierarchy, so it can show up in different ways. So, for instance, um, the book of Ephesus was written, obviously, uh, Ephesus was written obviously to uh, church in the city of Ephesus. In Ephesus, and we were talking about this with this whole women in ministry thing in 1 Timothy, um, there was this giant, the, the biggest temple ever built to a god to the temple of Artemis there. It was one of the seven wonders of the world at the time. This great cult of Artemis. Now, people that are involving themselves in this cult, sacrificing uh, offerings to the goddess Artemis, are probably interacting in some sort of demons. Paul actually says that in 1 Corinthians. When you, when you sacrifice to these, to these gods, these, these temples, you are interacting. So in that time, that was one way that there was actually direct interaction with the principalities and powers, right? Um, Maybe we would think about it today in, in a different way. Maybe um, uh, false gods that are worshipped, Allah, okay, that, that's interacting with principalities and powers that are not of God, all right? Um, by the way, there are people actually that understand there's demons out there and they try to interact with them, right? They do that stuff. Yeah, you can do that. It's real, right? Right? Um, Maybe in a general way, you realize that these, these the schemes of the enemy, principality, powers, these different kind of things, they interact with your life when, when you're in lust or in greed. They show up in general ways of sin like that too, right? So there's different ways that these things uh, do interact and have place. Uh, by the way, people can be demon-possessed. That's in the scriptures, right? That, that's giving the, the enemy a place in such a way of possession that there is oppression of the enemy that we see in the scripture so yes these are real they have consequence but again remember one of the signs of the kingdom was when jesus started casting demons out of people right that's a sign that the kingdom is coming and has come i, I want to read you some verses here because i want to I give you some confidence here so ephesians chapter one and verse number 20 and we'll go to three different places, maybe four different places here. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 20. It says that he worked in Christ, that when he raised him from the dead, now watch this, and seated who? Seated Jesus at his right hand in heavenly places, next verse, Watch this. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. See the wordings that are kind of the same there? And above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So Jesus, after his ascension, is seated at the right hand of the Father. And what is he above and over? All this other stuff that's out there. Right? All right, here's another one saying the same thing, but I want to read it to you. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 8. It says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of what? All rule and authority. In him you also circumcised with a circumcision not made with hands, but by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having buried with him in baptism, in which you also raised with him through the faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us of all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, This set aside, nailing it to the cross, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing them over them in him. At the cross, all this stuff that we're talking about was defeated and put to shame. As ascension, he sits at the right hand of the Father with all these things in submission to him. Here's another one that says that, 1 Peter, chapter number 3. First Peter 3 and verse number 21. Picking up mid thought here. It says, And through him are the believers in God. I'm sorry, that's, that's chapter 1. Let me get to verse 3. There we go. It says, Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus, who is gone into heaven as the right hand of God. Again, here we go with angels and authorities and powers having been subjected to him. So, these things are out there. They're real. They have consequence. But they can't control you, nor can they force you. Why? Because of Jesus. And he put the final work in place at the cross, putting them to shame, That is why we can stand in the power of his might and not give an inch against these things, even in the day of evil in your life. Right? So I believe, again, there's a lot of stuff out there about spiritual warfare, and and it can get kind of out there a little bit. Let me just tell you how to engage the enemy. I'm going to make this simple, easy, rubber meets the road. You engage the enemy in the name of Jesus. It right there, in Jesus' name. Because we call upon his authority and his power in Jesus' name. As a matter of fact, remember, the Bible says, these signs shall follow those who believe. And the very first thing that Jesus said about the signs follow those who believe, and they will cast out devils. How can you do that? Because you are anything? No. In Jesus' Name. That's all you need to know. You want to study that more? Go for it. I'm just telling you right there, in Jesus' name. I don't feel right about something. Pray in Jesus' name. You see what I'm saying? That's how we engage the enemy. You don't go to a fight without him. You'll lose because the stuff's real. But I'm not scared of those things, nor am I overly worried about them in any way. Because in Jesus' name, I stand. And Paul, again, the, the armor of God is, in a, is a way of equipping in Jesus' name because of the authority and power of Jesus. These are things to be aware of that I stand firm in. When the devil brings what he brings or, or I'm just living in this, this world that has these principalities and powers and the workings thereof, I am not concerned. Because in Jesus' name. So I I pray. Every time I pray, how do you close your prayers? In the name of Jesus. In your invoking. In Jesus' name. Amen, I agree. We're all in. In Jesus' name. So, So we pray. We pray against these things. We bind these things. We pray for the move of the Holy Spirit. We pray for our families. We pray for our communities. We pray for our church. And we pray against the schemes of the enemy. We pray against what he's trying to do. And we do it in Jesus' name and commit to him the work. Right? Amen. So here's the thing. So it's there. We'll talk about the armor. But be encouraged today. You can stand And you do it because of who he is. Amen. I commit my day today in Jesus' name. When 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 things start to, you know what I'm talking about, there's times you just see things are starting to bubble up a little bit. In the name of Jesus, we engage. Right? Maybe you didn't catch it right away, and it's a full-on push, and you're feeling, in Jesus' name, stand firm. Okay? He's got you. He wouldn't tell you this stuff if he doesn't have you. He's got you. Got you. You believe that? Amen. All right. Let's pray. We'll close up. All right, we'll get into the armor next week. Lord, I thank you that you haven't left us, you haven't forgotten about us, that you're right here with us, the power of the Spirit to help us each and every day. Lord, I do pray that that our discernment is aware of the schemes of the enemy when things need to pop up, that our discernment does pop up and we catch it. And we're not alarmed, we're not overwhelmed, we're not worried, but we commit it to you in your name because you are above all things. I thank you for that. And I thank you that we have the strength to endure to overcome, to persevere, to do this long-term discipleship all the way through. And I thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. All right. Well, thanks for being here Sunday morning. We're going to continue our series, Encounters with Jesus. And we didn't lose our lights.